Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. The angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory. This is a quote from Viktor Frankl, the famous survivor of a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. He became a world-renowned psychiatrist who contributed much to our understanding of humans under severe pain and stress. His book, written after he was liberated, of course, is entitled Man's Search for Meaning. It was widely read and helped people understand how the human psyche responds to pain and stress and severe defeat. He concluded that of all the qualities that we possess as humans, love is the centerfold. In this named book, which described his days in Auschwitz and his daily will to survive the horrors under which he was subjected on a regular and daily basis, he made the statement I quoted at the opening of this broadcast. Let me say it again. The angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory. If you are so inclined and can do so, I invite you to Google Viktor Frankl and read about his survival and what he achieved after the war ended. It is an incredible survival story. His conclusions involving the power of love are wonderful and can be the topic of many spin-off studies. The love we have for each other, the love we have for our families and spouses and children, the love we have for God. All variations on a theme, expressing different depths and qualities of the one fundamental human emotion, love. Then we elevate the discussion to the heavenlies and discuss God's love, powerful and all-encompassing. God is love. He is the author, the designer, the originator and the sustainer of love. He sheds love abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The love of God, the song says, is greater far than anything that we can imagine. It was the thing we call love that sustained Mr. Frankel through the worst of all possible jails. But what did he mean when he wrote in his book that the angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory? From the dust of the earth God created man His breath made man a living soul And God so loved the world He gave His only Son And that is why I love Him so likeness created in his image for I was born to serve the Lord and I can't deny him I'll always walk behind 
beside him for I was born to serve the Lord my hands were made to help my neighbor my eyes were made to read God's word my feet were made to walk in his footsteps my body is the temple of the Lord I was made in his likeness created in his image for I was born to serve the Lord and I can't deny him I'll always walk beside him for I was born to serve the Lord. The angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory, said Mr. Frankel. I suppose we really need to look at that sentence in the context of the book in which it is found. Then we can understand the full impact of the words and what he meant. I can suggest, too, that we can derive a great deal of inspiration by the words as they are presented to us. Angels, heavenly beings, created by God, and not human beings. They do not hold the same characteristics as humans either. Yet Mr. Frankel says that they are lost in perpetual contemplation. They are fully focused. Their total attention is concentrated in a central theme or event. Their attention is pointedly aimed at the thing that consumes their total awareness. Everything else is of secondary and lesser importance, faded into the background subjected to the principal event that has claimed their attention so completely. Actually, he said perpetual contemplation, in other words, total concentration, fully engrossed in the subject forever, almost to the exclusion of anything else. If these then are lost, uninterested, protected from all other diversions and interests, we are left to figure out what the infinite glory is that so compels them. Since that overwhelming topic is love, and we know that God is love, and he is also infinite and full of glory, I conclude that it is God himself who is this infinite glory, that the angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of his love, of his omnipotence, of his glory. The cherubim perpetually fly around the throne of God, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yes, Mr. Frankel said it in a very unique way when he wrote, the angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory. Love is the answer. What about you and me? Can we say that we are so engrossed in God and his love? I feel the touch of hands so kind and tender Storms rage high 
the dark clouds rise They won't worry me For I'm sheltered safe Within the arms of God He walks with me And naught of earth shall harm me For I'm sheltered in the arms of God Soon I shall hear the call from heaven's portals Come home, my child, it's the last mile you must draw storms rage high, the dark clouds rise, they won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, and naught of earth shall harm me. Sheltered in the arms of God. So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise. They won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me. sheltered in the arms of God. And now with his message for today, here's Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Good morning and greetings again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In our last message, we began to teach concerning the concept of the Lord's presence as being an essential element in genuine worship. We traced this truth throughout the Old Testament and discovered that through creation and by His very name, we meet the God who is present, and that while God's presence is universal, He also chose to localize His presence, for instance, in the tabernacle, in the temple, and even in the city of Jerusalem itself. He did this to teach people how to relate to Him, Yet, he lived with his people wherever they were or went. His desire has always to be with and in the midst of his people. I say again, worship begins when we realize his presence with us. We must become aware of the presence of God in our lives. Now, when we come to the New Testament, Matthew begins with Jesus' birth, where Jesus is presented as Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the middle of his epistle, he recalls Jesus' words when he said, 
Where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. There am I in the midst of them. He concludes his gospel, that's Matthew, with the great commission and Jesus' words saying, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Apostle John, in his gospel, introduces Jesus as the Word, who is God, who became flesh, who is the only begotten God, and who reveals the Father to us. For John, the presence of God is clearly revealed in Jesus, as he often speaks of the glory connected with Jesus Christ, reminding his readers of the glory of God that is revealed in the Old Testament temple as well. The Jesus of the New Testament, my friend, is the God of the Old Testament, tabernacled among men in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. But it was Jesus himself who introduced the concept of God living in man, in the believer. This is what he says in John 14, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I say again, God now lives in the believer in the person of Jesus Christ. And we, the believer, is referred to as the temple of God. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? But not only is the believer a temple of God, so is the church of Jesus Christ. So while the individual is called the temple in the New Testament, the church is also spoken of as the temple of God. For instance, in 2 Corinthians 6.16, it says, For we are the temple of the living God. Paul says that God's people are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. We may confidently conclude then that God's presence in the New Testament is manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has taken up permanent residence within the life of the believer and within the church of Jesus Christ universally. In other words, both locally and universally, believers are the temple of God. But if this is so, and it is, of course, and if the scriptures reveal that this is definitely so, why does the reality of the ever-present God, the creator of heaven and earth, living in us, not invoke the kind of worship he seeks from his people and the major reason why he reveals himself to us? In a word, why is it that for the most part we are unaware of the presence of the person of God in our lives? And not only so in our daily lives on a personal basis, but also on a corporate basis when we say that we gather together to worship him Sunday after Sunday. Why are we unaware of the presence of a holy, ever-present God that should normally and naturally invoke our worship? Is it because he is spirit and therefore invisible and therefore we cannot perceive him with our five senses? Or is it because we crowd him out of our thoughts and lives because we are too busy and we are caught up with other more mundane and less consequential things in our life? Or is it because when we come to worship him on Sunday mornings that we bring our concern for work or pleasure with us 
And we are more preoccupied with those things than we are occupied with Him. Is the reason for our inability to worship in spirit and in truth is because we do not know how to practice the presence of God? Friends, as startling as it may seem, it is possible to be in the presence of God and not recognize it. For instance, the disciples on the road to Emmaus experienced it. So did Peter and the other disciples who were fishing to whom Jesus appeared after his resurrection. They were in the presence of God and they did not know it. I truly wonder how many of God's people who gather Sunday after Sunday to worship him have the same experience. We gather to worship him, but yet we are truly unaware of his presence, that he is with us. Now, I don't mean in theory only, but in actual experience. How many of us are really personally impacted by the personal presence of God in our midst when we worship? In fact, how many of us are aware of and impacted by his presence during the week? Let me read the narrative of another person who was in the presence of God, but totally oblivious to that fact. And what was his response when he finally turned in, or I should say tuned in, to the presence of God. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 28, beginning at verse 10. It's an extended portion, but I want you to hear the word of God. Speaking about Jacob, verse 10 it says, Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. That is God's revelation of himself. Verse 14. Your descendants shall also be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel, meaning the house of God. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. End of quote. So in summary, we could say that Jacob was in the house of God, in the presence of God, but did not recognize that God was there. But when he did, he responded in worship. In other words, God revealed himself, and the response was worship. I truly believe, my friends, that many of us need that experience in our corporate worship. We need to be personally and consciously impacted with the presence of God in our worship services in what many of us call the house of God or the sanctuary or the church or the assembly in which we gather Lord's Day after Lord's Day. A master key to genuine worship then 
is learning how to become consciously and personally aware of the presence of the ever-present God. To do so will not only transform our Sunday morning worship services, but also our entire lifestyle as well. But you may ask, is this really possible? The psalmist David certainly thought so. Listen to his words in Psalm 168, verse 8, and I quote, I have said the Lord always before me. Now, literally, this could be translated, I keep the Lord continuously in prominence. How did the psalmist do this? Psalm 63 tells us, Listen again as I read this beautiful psalm of a man who truly learned how to practice the presence of God. Psalm 63, beginning at verse 1. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my health, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. End of quote. What a beautiful psalm this is speaking of one who truly thirsts after God and always being aware of his presence. David then pens these sublime words as he is hiding out in the Judean wilderness from Saul who is after him. He is away from the temple, the place where it was believed that God's presence was manifested and localized. But David knew better. He knew in the words of Paul who echoed the words of Solomon, that the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Paul is emphasizing a truth again, that God dwells within the life of the individual believer, as well as in the midst of the church as a whole, corporately speaking. As a result of this, he was able to tune into his God who was present with him in the dark and dreary cave in which he was hiding and turned to worship God in spirit and in truth. As one writer puts it, and I quote, David had a spontaneous relationship with God because he was continually aware of the presence of God. My friends, I believe this is what we all need to truly worship God as he desires a spontaneous relationship with God, a relationship in which we are always consciously and acutely aware of the presence of God. This is what one saint of long time ago called practicing the presence of God. This is why I call a genuine worship experience an encounter with the triune God. It is a conscious interaction of a redeemed human being with his or her divine Redeemer. How is this experience brought about and realized in our lives, though? I believe that this psalm, Psalm 63, helps us tremendously in this regard to find out how we can really practice the presence of God. 
David tells us in this psalm what he did to practice, to experience the presence of God. His lesson is good for us today as well. But unfortunately, our time is gone for today. And so we will have to resume at this point next time, Lord willing. Until then, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every listening moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. in a moment Jesus Christ could come again